0: You know, back when I was in high school, there was a really popular, wow, I'm not that old, Pablo. There was a really popular thing that everybody said. And I'm pretty sure y'all are going to make fun of me for this, because you probably don't say it anymore. But we, me and my friends used to say YOLO all the time. How many of you in here have ever heard somebody use the phrase YOLO? You're the, or you only live once. And you see, me and my friends, we love to say this because we love to encourage each other to do stupid things. Like we love to encourage each other to go out and make a fool of ourselves. We love to watch each other just do dumb things because it was hilarious to watch. It was funny to watch someone kind of get in trouble. All right? So me and my friends used to say this all the time. And, you know, I remember this one time. Me and my friends, we were hanging out. We were having a good time. And there was this girl that was around that I thought was really cute. I I thought she was really cute. And I kind of wanted to go up and talk to her. But I was extremely nervous. I was scared to death. I I didn't want to get rejected or laughed at or made fun of. But all of my friends were encouraging me to go and talk to her. They were like, no, go and do it. Don't be scared. It's fine. Just go and talk to her. But, you know, I was too scared, I didn't want to do it, but there was this one friend that I had that I really looked up to. He was a friend that I really trusted, that I took advice from, you know, taking advice from a ninth grader, a great idea. And I would take his advice, so I looked at him, and I was like, man, what should I do? Like, should I go and talk to her? What should I do? And he straight up looked dead in my eye like he was about to offer me some great advice, but only one word came out of his mouth. And that was YOLO. So, of course, I had to go and do it. Like, he just gave me these great words of wisdom. So I went up, and sure enough, when I went to talk to the girl, I made a complete fool out of myself. I couldn't talk in complete sentences. I I couldn't even really say what my name was. And I remember she just looked at me like I was the dumbest person ever. Like, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Why is he talking to me? And I remember at the end of the conversation, I got up the courage to ask her for her number. And you see, she didn't even make up an excuse like, you know what, I don't have a phone or I'm not allowed to text. She just looked at me and was like, no. Like, no, you don't deserve my number. I don't, I don't want to give it to you. And so I walked back to my friends discouraged, embarrassed. And I was hoping that, you know, maybe they would console me. Like maybe they would make me feel better, but instead as I walked back to them, they were just pointing at me laughing. They were pointing at me laughing like, dude, you just made a complete fool of yourself. That was awesome. So you see, we use this phrase YOLO to encourage each other to do dumb things, to encourage each other to go and make a fool out of ourselves. And you see, we would use this phrase all the time, but I don't think we actually understood what it means. We would say it all the time, and up until last week, I didn't really know what YOLO meant. So I Googled it, and this is what I found. It says, YOLO is a term used to justify something morally unacceptable or blatantly idiotic. Morally unacceptable or blatantly idiotic. (laughs) So you see, you see the term YOLO is a cop-out. It's a phrase that we can use to justify our actions even though we know that they're wrong. And you know, maybe you guys nowadays don't say YOLO, but we all have these excuses that we use to justify our actions. To justify ourselves when we do something that we know is wrong. We use these excuses when we get invited to a party where we know that that we could do some things we know are wrong, but we tell ourselves excuses like, you know what, I'm young, Everybody else is going, it's gonna be a lot of fun, so I can just go, it's not that bad. Or we use these excuses when it comes to the actions that we do with our boyfriend and our girlfriend. We tell ourselves stuff like we're young, we're in love, it's okay, it's not that bad, it's fine. You see, whatever the excuse is, we use them to justify our actions when we know they're wrong. And we do this because we wanna make ourselves feel better about what we've done, we want to make ourselves feel better about the actions that we're doing, so we use these excuses to make ourselves feel better so that we can live a life that we want to live, that we can live our life for ourselves. And you know, I think we do this and I think we struggle with this because our culture is dominated by the idea that life is about you. We see it all the time on social media, on TV shows, in music that your life is about you. You know, you can do whatever you want, say whatever you want, because it's your life. It's your choice. Life is about you. We hear sayings like, live your life to the fullest or live your life with no regrets. Go out and do whatever you want, say whatever you want, act however you want, because your life is about you. But tonight, what we're gonna see is that our life is not about us. That you and I aren't on this earth to do whatever we want to do to live our lives for ourselves. But instead we're on this earth to live, to serve, and to glorify God. So tonight we're going to continue in our series studying the book of Philippians. And last week Morgan let us know that Philippians was a letter written by the apostle Paul to the church of Philippi. And we see Paul, he wrote this letter to show his appreciation for the church of Philippi. And he wrote this letter to encourage them to stand strong in their faith and to continue to grow in their faith. And what we also learned is that when Paul wrote this letter, he was currently imprisoned in Rome. Paul was kind of probably contemplating what the future of life was. He didn't know what what to expect day to day or month to month. He didn't know what was going to happen. And in the passage that we're looking at tonight, we're going to see Paul kind of reflecting on the importance and the significance of life and death. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to be starting in verse 20. Here, Paul writes, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You see, here in these verses, we see Paul isn't concerned about living a life for himself. He isn't concerned about making excuses for his actions or what he's doing. Instead, what Paul is concerned about is that he will live a life that does not bring shame to the gospel, but instead that he will live a life that will exalt Christ in everything that he does. Paul wasn't concerned about what he could do for himself, the next vacation he could go on, the next party that he could attend. Instead, Paul was concerned about living his life in a way that showed the love of Jesus, about living his life in a way that would honor and glorify God. And then I want you to really lean into what Paul says in verse 21. Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Students, I want you to hear the emotion of Paul in this statement. Paul isn't just saying this with a monotone voice, like, you know, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Paul is declaring this with passion and with emotion, telling us that to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And what does that mean? What does it mean to live is Christ? You see, Paul is telling the church that to live is Christ means that everything we do, everything we say, honors and glorifies God. That if we go to church, if we go to school, it should be for Christ. If we go and play on a sports team, if we have a game, we're going for Christ. If we go to work, it's for Christ that everything that we do, everything that we say should all be for Christ. Students, this should be our mindset and our goal. We shouldn't be living for ourselves, but instead we should be living to serve and to glorify God. All of our actions should point towards and honor Jesus. Everything that we say, all of our conversations should be to honor God. We are to live for Christ. And then Paul says something that when you read at surface level, might not make a lot of sense to you. You see, Paul continues and says, to die is gain. And I kind of remember the first time I read this, I was a little shocked about what Paul just wrote. I was kind of thinking, like, why did Paul write this? What does he mean by this? Why is Paul saying to die is gain? That, that doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't Paul want to live? Like, why would Paul say, I gain? But what you see is Paul says this because he understood that death is not the end. Paul understood that as a believer, as somebody who has found salvation in Jesus, that death was not the end. But instead, that when he died, he would be able to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. That he would be able to go to heaven and spend eternity with God. He knew that it was far better to spend eternity with Jesus. Now Paul isn't telling us that that we should just want to die and Paul isn't just saying that he wants to die, but what he is saying is that living with Jesus forever in heaven, spending eternity with God is far better than anything that this earth has to offer. It's better than anything that me or you could ever do on this earth. But look at what Paul says, he continues in verse 22. so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. You see, Paul in these verses, he's torn between the two things. He's torn between whether to keep on living or whether to die. He's kind of contemplating like what would be better, what should I do? And what Paul ends up deciding and realizing is that if he was to keep on living, he would be a blessing for the body of Christ. You see, Paul realizes that his, his duty is to honor and glorify God through his life. Am I cutting in and out? Awesome. Oh, wow. That was loud. You see, Paul, he isn't concerned about living for himself. Even though he's imprisoned, even though the, the idea of death could be, could be happening to him soon. Paul doesn't worry about that. Instead, Paul is like, you know what? It is better for me to continue to live. It is better for me to continue leaving and being a blessing to the church, of being a blessing to go out and to reach others with the gospel. You see, Paul, he didn't give up. He didn't give in when he was suffering and going through trials because God, Paul knew that his life was for God. Paul knew that as long as he was going to be living, as long as he was going to be on this earth, that he needed to bring glory and honor to God. And that when it was his time to go to heaven, then it would be far better than anything else. But you know, I think this is something that you and I struggle with. We struggle with the idea that life isn't about us. We tend to think that life is about us, that we can do whatever we want, but what we need to realize is that life Our life on earth is to glorify God. So what are we supposed to do? How do we live for Christ? Well, you see, Paul, he gives us the answer in the last few verses of this chapter. He starts in verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit that we can live our life for Christ. The first way is to conduct yourselves. To conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And you see, the term conduct yourselves is a political term. It's a term that means to live as a citizen. And as a citizen, you are subject to the authority in the ruling of the government. You are subject to follow their laws, to obey what they tell you, and if you don't, you face the consequences. But here, Paul isn't encouraging us to live our lives, to conduct ourselves as a citizen of a country, as a citizen of the United States. Instead, Paul is encouraging us to conduct ourselves as a citizen of heaven. That we are to follow Jesus, that we are to obey his commands for our lives that we are to honor him, that we are to obey the authority that he has. Look at what it says in John fourteen fifteen. Here it reads, if you love me, keep my commands. See, if we love God, if we are striving to walk in a way that is worthy of the gospel, then we will keep God's commands. We will honor our mother and our father. We will love one another the way Jesus loves us. We will act differently than the world around us and you see when paul says to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel he isn't just talking about in certain areas of your life paul is talking about conducting yourself in all areas of your life so students i want to ask you are you conducting yourself in a way that is glorifying god at your schools are you conducting yourself in a way that glorifies god Are you honoring God by the way that you act at your school? By the way that you talk to other students or teachers, are you glorifying God in the way that you act? Like if you're being honest right now, are you glorifying God at your schools? Or what about on your sports teams? You know, whether you play baseball, football, dance, whatever it is, are you glorifying God on your sports teams? By the way that you're acting, by the way that you're talking, are you glorifying God? Or instead, are you, are you living for yourself, doing whatever you want to do, saying whatever you want to say? Because you know what? This is an area of my life that God doesn't need to be a part of. Like, this is kind of my area. I, I don't need to really glorify God here. This can just be my space. This can be just a time where I can do what I want to do. Or are you glorifying God? With your friends, with the people that you hang out the most, are you glorifying God by your conversations, by the jokes that you make, by what you talk about? Are you honoring God and conducting yourself in a way that brings him glory? Or do you kind of look at the time that you spend with your friends as a time that you can kind of get away from all of that, that you know you can kind of be who you are, you can say what you want to say, because this is just a time that you can get away that you can kind of de-stress. And you think that, you know what, my friends, they know my heart, they know who I am, so I can kind of just be whoever I want. You see, we are not called to just glorify God in the areas that we choose. Paul isn't saying to conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel in certain areas of your life, but he is telling us to conduct ourselves in every area. We need to conduct ourselves worthy of the gospel. And then the second Paul th- the second thing Paul gives us that we can live for Christ is by striving together. Is by striving together with other believers. By living our lives by by having our closest friends be people who believe the same thing we believe. Who are going to help encourage us and who are going to help point us towards Jesus. By striving together with other believers. You see, throughout the Bible, we see Christians rely on other Christians. Like, Paul isn't the first person to ever say, strive together. Strive together with other believers. He's not the first one to say this. I mean, we can look back at the Old Testament and see Daniel surround himself with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Surround himself with people who are going to encourage and people who are going to point him towards Jesus. In the New Testament, we see Paul, the author of this book, surround himself with people like Timothy and Silas. People who were going to encourage him, people who were going to point him towards Jesus. I mean, we even see Jesus surround himself with the disciples. The Son of God, the guy who came down to die on the cross and rise again for our sins, came down and surrounded himself with people who were going to encourage him, who were going to point him Towards Jesus. So students, tonight I want to ask you, who is in your circle? Who are the people that you spend the most time with? Are they people who who are going to encourage you, who are going to keep you accountable, who are going to point you towards Jesus? Or are they people who are going to kind of pull you away? People who are going to encourage you to do things that you know are wrong, things that you don't want to do. Who are the people in your circle? Because the people that you hang out with the most, the people who you spend the most time with, are the people who are going to have the greatest influence in your life. Who are going to be able to to influence your, your decisions. Who are going to be even able to influence the direction of your life. So tonight, students, who is in your circle? So tonight, as we wrap up, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question, and that is, who are you living for? Who are you living for? Are you living for God? Are you living to honor and glorify him by everything that you do? Or are you living for yourself? Are you living in a way that that is just going to honor you, that is just focused on what you want to do? Tonight, students, really be honest and look at yourself and realize who you are living for. And tonight, I want to close by doing something a little different. I'm going to ask that everybody in in here bows their head and close their eyes. And I want to take a moment with no one talking, with, with nobody looking around, to take a moment. Where we can be honest and real with ourselves and with God. Where we can be honest and real. And in a couple seconds, I'm going to ask you a question. And if you find yourself saying yes to this question, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. I just want to pray for you. So tonight, if you find yourself living for yourself, I'm gonna ask that you put your hand up. If tonight you find that you're living for yourself and not living for God, I wanna put your hand up. Thank you for being honest, you can put your hand down. And still with, everybody, with every head bowed and with every eyes closed, as we sing this last song, as we worship God, I wanna encourage you to take a moment, to take a moment where you can go before God and be honest and real with him. To take a moment where you can ask God to encourage you, to give you the strength and the courage to live your life for him. Because if I can be honest for a moment up on this stage, I struggle with this too. I get so caught up in the busyness of life and what I have going on that I stop living for God and I start just focusing on myself. Focusing on what I have going on and what I need to do that I stop living for God and I start living for myself. But you know what? When I realize this, and I start focusing on this, and I ask God to help me, and I start living for him, I realize that my life is so much more fulfilled. I'm so much happier, and my relationship with God is so much stronger. So tonight, if you find yourself living for yourself, I want to encourage you to take a moment before God. You can come up to this altar if you want. You can stay at your seat, but don't leave tonight without taking a moment before God where you can be real and honest with him. Dear God, I thank you for each and every student that is here tonight. God, I pray that you will give us the courage and the strength to start living our life for you. God, that we won't get caught up in the busyness of life and everything that we have going on and that God, instead, we will focus on living a life that honors and glorifies you. God, I pray you will give us the strength and the courage to do that. And I pray all of these things in Jesus Christ's name, amen.